We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Hey, welcome into a crossover episode of Candlestick Chronicles and Striking Gold. We haven't done this in a long time, so we're going to mix up the intro a little bit here. Chris Biederman's here. Rob Louder is here. And we're going to skip the whole cold open thing, and we're just going to dive right into a pod. How's that sound? Rob, what's up, man? How much, dude? It has been, it has been way too long. I feel like we should do this more often rather than the text conversations, but at the same time, it's, it's all good. It's just you don't want to interrupt the flow, you know? get in a flow sometimes every like what's said on text should not be made public though I no no 100 there, there, there are a lot of things that go on in these is there somebody that like, thinks this that is it not should need be a broad audience no no no, no, no. <laughs> we'll just be back uh, we'll just uh we'll just have a a separate feed called the group chat <laughs> and we'll just bring our text chats into here and just read them i think everybody deserves to know like where the three of us all came from because like what Chris do you mean? Peterman's like our dad, right? Yeah, kind of. Definitely your dad. I <laughs> so so Rob. So at, at my uh, at my wedding, we me and my my <clears throat> my wife, uh, we <laughs> we introduced our our groomsmen and bridesmaids. Like we had a microphone standing behind them, and when they entered the room, we'd introduce them. Right. And for Chris, I ended up saying. I host a podcast with Chris Candlestick Chronicles subscribe rate review. <laughs> uh, but what I was going to say is Chris is responsible for 95% of my professional success. And <laughs> <laughs> like 95 is probably a lot, but I think you're like me in terms of like digital media writing podcasting. It's like, if I didn't know Chris, um, I would probably be doing this, but at a much lower level than I presently do it. Right. Uh, I have to I have to give Chris credit because at some point some weirdo with this. the Twitter name Sencal Faithful messaged him asking, oh, <laughs> asking him if he could write for him. And with with without any real pause, just like, sure, man, let's let's do it. And I had been doing the old uh not what was it, Niner Noise? I'd been doing that, so at least I had something to show him. But um yeah, when a guy named Sencal Faithful messages you on Twitter, I think your first 
instinct is to just mute that person. But S- uh, since then, since then, my DMs have not been open. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that was the last one. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I, that's really nice of you guys to say, and uh, and I appreciate all the work that that you've done for sure. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad it's working out for you. If uh, I don't know if Kyle like being on a podcast with me is necessarily his career quote unquote working out, but I'm glad that you feel like it's, it's Beerman out. has a legit coaching tree. <laughs> you do <what> he does. <laughs> a blogging, a podcasting and blogging tree. Right. I'm with we you. Need lo- That's cool. No, I love this for you, Rob. We got to find, we got to find like understudies. So right. that could be extra branches off the tree. Right. Yeah. The tree. Yeah. The tree. People be like, Oh, he's from the louder tree. And people are like, that's actually the Beerman tree. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can be Mike Shanahan in this whole thing. It's like I have the I have the I have the pressure of being named Robert Newton Louder the fifth. So obviously the pressure there is that I have to have the sixth. But now that we talk about this, I realize an even greater pressure is making sure that the Biederman blogging tree continues on. I mean, yeah. you can't stop with me. The BBT. Yeah, we got to get on this. Um, if you want to become part of the tree, uh, shoot Kyle a DM because my DMs are closed. My DMs are open. Let's chat. Um, and if you want to sponsor the pod pods send a dm we'll chat we're we're looking Um, for sponsors we're open for business so we here's here's something that you learn when you fall off the biederman tree (laughs) is that failing to plan is planning to fail and so we set up this (laughs) podcast today at four o'clock we're like rob let's let's do a pod and we're like great four o'clock great sound it works for everybody we were sitting here you know shooting the shit before the pod and then uh went hey what are we going to talk about and so we just kind of started kicking around some topics. So let's start here um, because I'm going to use this to spin. We're going to talk some, some drafted. We're recording this Thursday. It's two, two weeks away from the draft. So we're going to start here. Chris, you said, and you're not ready to debut it, but you've developed what you believe is your first draft take. And you don't have to reveal it now because I'm going to reveal one of mine. Okay. I've yeah, we'll do one a- take. I Well, so I, I guess I'll just say it. Like, I, and it's, you know, oh, I, let's I feel, go. It's going to happen right now. This is for, huge. I feel good enough about it. I'm not, I haven't like done the full dive into the draft class yet. And it's probably later this year than it normally would be because after the combine, I'm so typically late. spending a couple hours a day, whatever, reading, watching, grinding YouTube, tape, being in the lab with the clicker, you know, popping in um, the film. But I, I started doing that really for the first time this week. And I've been busy doing non 49ers related things for the first time really in years leading up to the draft. Um, but I think they should draft Cam Jurgens, the center from uh, Nebraska. And the reason why I think that, and I, 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 since I've revealed my take in the, in the group chat, it's been revealed to me that other people, other smart people, I'm not saying I'm smart, smart people outside of myself. Um, Chris is really smart. I, by the way. Agree with this take. And it's more so, I think if if you look at just the recent history with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and just sort of how do they approach their early picks, they do draft for need, right? They look at their roster and say, this is kind of what we need, right? Like they decided in 2018 that they were moving on from Trent Brown. So they needed a right tackle. They went and got Mike McGlinchey. Um, Nick Bosa fulfilled a need, obviously, when they had the second overall pick in 2019, but that was very much a need. And they added to that need by trading for D Ford. Um, when in, in 2020, when they traded to Forrest Buckner, they went and drafted Javon Kinlaw filling a need, right? Um, they lost Emmanuel Sanders. They traded up for Brandon Ayuk filling a need. 
So I don't know exactly what's going to happen with Alex Mack immediately, but if you look down the line, the 49ers need a center and they don't have a center in the pipeline that could either step in for Alex Mack and play at a serviceable level um, or anyone to play center sort of long-term, right? And if you look at Cam Jurgens and just his athletic profile and, you know, I've watched a few minutes of, of him playing, He's super athletic, right? Like he does the things that like, if you remember when Ben Garland was playing, um, when Weston Richburg was hurt a couple years ago, the thing the 49ers really liked about Ben Garland was his ability to get downfield all those on those screen passes um, and, you know, be blocking safeties and linebackers downfield just by pure athleticism. Right. And that's what Cam Jurgens does really well. He's a former tight end. We obviously know how much Kyle Shanahan prioritizes athleticism at, uh, along the offensive line, he clearly, you know, emphasizes or prioritizes centers and tackles much more than guards. But I think if you just look at their history and look at their roster right now and what they need going forward, I think they need a long-term center and a guy that matches up at pick 61 um, in terms of being a fit and a good value and somebody that matches up with their with their recent draft history. I think Cam Jurgens checks all those boxes and uh, that's why I think he should and, and has a very good chance to be the pick. Interesting. Interesting. Now the, what I'm glad you said that because to me, I, and I felt not necessarily alone. I've heard a lot of people mention the offensive line, but I could have, I could see them with that pick going anywhere along the offensive line outside of left tackle, obviously. But I just like, I felt like throughout the off season, I just kept mentioning how like precarious that offensive line was. You had Aaron Banks, who's supposed to be the starting left guard. We have no idea what he's going to be able to do. We don't know if Alex Max coming back. They've always seemed like Daniel Brunskill was just kind of like there, like a placeholder, you know, like they had nobody that could beat him. He was really good against Aaron Donald. So why not just keep him around? And then you've, I don't, I mean, I don't know if the Mike McGlinchey stuff is even worth mentioning. I mean, he, he looks pretty small did you see that picture where he took a picture with a couple fans and just looked like i'm i now weigh more than mike mcglinchy i mean um, i saw i saw him he was working out at the national championship game and i and i chatted with him very briefly he's still i mean i think he's still like 310 okay well then then the picture must have just been one of those optical illusions because he he looked like hi i'm mike mcglinchy i'm now 215 and i represent subway <laughs> like it was like i don't think he's big slim like he was in 2020 Right. So, I mean, I, well, I, 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 it's just easy to see that that offensive line is like pretty precarious right now. You could, they could go anywhere from left guard all the way over to right tackle and you could kind of see it and understand why. So center and we've all, I mean, much smarter people than me have always said center was hugely important for Kyle Shanahan. So it makes sense. Chris, do you think Jurgens can play guard? So I, I, mean, don't, I don't, I'm not I looking don't like really like, no. Okay. So that that's okay. Because I, just... I, I think so. The difference to me between guards and centers and Kyle Shanahan's offense is like a guard is somebody that you feel really good running behind, like somebody mm -hmm. who's kind of like that road grader, quote unquote. Sure. Like, like that's what Lakin Tomlinson was. Um, Daniel Brunskill, like he's like six four, six five, and Jurgens is like six one, six two. But right. you watch Jurgens move, and he's just super athletic. But he's not like a all right. We're gonna run a trap play behind Jurgens like that. He's he can sure. block in the run game, I think, uh, and, he, and he's a good pass protector, but he's more like what Weston Richburg was in terms of like, all right, he can get out and like square his hips, 
to the the sideline and seal somebody off. Like his quickness mm-hmm. is his best attribute. He's not like a power road grading player. And sure. I think that's sort of the difference between guard and center in this offense. So the reason I ask is because something we've talked a little bit about when we've discussed the draft and Rob, I don't know where you land on this, but I just kind of feel like the Niners are in a spot where they don't necessarily need to draft a starter or a player that's going to contribute right away. And Alex Mack may do the thing where he retires during the draft and the, the 49ers take Jurgens and he, he winds up starting right away. But that's the one question mark I have with that pick is while, yeah, their roster's in a spot where if they really like Jurgens and think like, like, man, hey, he could be the starting center for a decade, they can take him. But I'm also wondering if they look at safety or edge. I've heard this is a deep edge class. Um, or maybe a player that can play guard and go with that, knowing that, hey, we need a player to contribute immediately at this spot. And they can figure out center, you know, later in the draft or with, maybe they like Jake Brendel a lot. Yeah. I, I So one thing I, I've sort of leaned towards the idea that it would either be edge or offensive line with this pick because I don't know that the 49ers prioritize safety enough, particularly with um, Tarverius Moore coming back um, with Jaquaski Tart potentially still being out there and being available after the draft and with Talanoa Hufanga in, in the mix. Like, I don't know that they really feel like they need to add a safety with their first pick in this draft in the same way that they value a long-term center. But the other spot I, I've, I've sort of circled in my head was edge rusher. And, you know, we're recording this Thursday. Earlier today, there were, you know, multiple reports saying the 49ers agreed to terms with um, Komeko Torre, another pass rusher. And, like, if you look at their defensive end group, you have Bosa, Samson Ebukam, Kerry Hyder, Jordan Willis, Charles Amenahu, and now Torre. Unless they make a trade, and maybe they do end up trading Samson Ebukam and get his, what, five or six million dollar cap hit off the books there isn't really a spot for a second round pick to just kind of slide in unless the guy's really good. But if there's an edge rusher who's really good, he's probably not going to be available late in the second round. So to me, like it, it getting Torre almost signals like they don't think that a second round or or a a pass rusher is going to be there that they, that they're necessarily in love with because of all the depth they already have there. Um, and look, I'm, I'm like the last guy. I hate doing the thing where it's like, oh, they signed this free agent. Now you can cross that position off in the draft. But I think that more applies to the first round. Like the first round, you just tend to take the best player available, like sort of regardless of position or if he's in one of your like four positions of need or whatever. But I do think because it's 61 and not a first round pick that you could say like, all right, they just added a free agent who had five and a half sacks last year. They have Ebu Cam who came on as the season went along. They have Jordan Willis, who they like. They have Omenahu, who they traded for, who they also like. Like, I just don't know if if there's going to be enough snaps to develop an edge rusher unless the dude ends up just being really good. And if he is really good, I have a hard time believing he'd be there at 61. The only the only thing that I, that makes me feel like maybe they could still go that route is just based on how deep the edge class is supposed to be. Like right. that might be 
them looking at that second round pick saying we might be able to get kind of like fringe first round talent with this pick, like just because we don't have a first round pick, but we might be able to come away with a player that should have been there. Cause I was looking at, at pro football Focus's big board and there's like 26 edge rushers in like the top 70. Like it's like a ridiculous amount of, of edge talent. So maybe, you know, yeah. I mean, it, I feel like it's also a situation where not anybody can come in and beat out Cassius Marsh. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like if, totally. to do. <laughs> if, if there is a player that they like there, no matter how much depth they already have that spot, because you're look, you're talking about a draft pick that, you know, you want to be alongside Nick Bosa for the next five years versus a bunch of free agents that are probably only sticking around for the season. So maybe the fact that, you know, going edge, if it is as deep, if they think it's that good, might alleviate the fact that their first pick is in the second round because they're going to feel like they got somebody that could have been drafted a little higher. I have a question. Are we sure the 49ers need a guard? Like, are we certain about that? Here's why I ask. Because Daniel Brunskill, is he a pro bowler? No. Is he the worst right guard in the league? Also, no. Like, he's a serviceable, below average starter. But he can can start and you feel okay. They then have a second round pick from 2021 in Aaron Banks, a fifth round pick in, in Jalen Moore from 2021, who they brought in to play guard. They brought in Colton McKivitz to play guard in the fifth round in the 2020 draft. Like they have bodies that they can throw at that position and figure out left guard. So it I seems think like that, they, they think pretty highly of Jalen Moore too. Like just by the little comments I've heard them make about it. I think so too. And I think Jalen Moore can be one of their five best offensive linemen. I have no idea so, about Aaron I, Banks, but I, I think that I think it's a valid question. You could say, yeah, the 49ers need to upgrade their guard play, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to go out and use a second or third round pick on a guard. Right. That's not that's not to say they shouldn't, because if there's a guy that they think is a plug and play starter, they could get in the second or third round. Then I would be all for it. Would um, you trust them to do that? <laughs> trust who? The Aaron Niners? Banks played three offensive snaps. Right. So, I mean, that's what I mean. I mean, the the thing is with Jalen Moore, it was like he spent so much time playing left tackle out of necessity last year because Justin school got hurt that he didn't have time to cross train on the right side. And that was one of the things that I had heard that it was just extremely difficult to move him to the right side because of how much on the left side he played. And he played on the left side in college too. So it it wasn't just a thing where it's like, all right, Jalen Moore can play, you know, all four spots it was like, well, he's kind of limited to the left side right now. And obviously with Lakin Tomlinson being as durable as he was, they didn't need Jalen Moore to play left guard. So I do wonder if Moore is going to be in that mix at left guard. I, I certainly think he'll be in the mix at right guard, even though I just said, you know, he hadn't played it. But now he'll have a full offseason to, to sort of acclimate to it. But no, I think to your point, between Moore, McKivitz, Banks, and whom am I missing? And Brunskill, like they they have bodies to where you could play those guys and you're not going to be awful at guard. But relative to the rest of the roster, you know, you say the Niners have really good receivers, really good tight end, really good tackles, potentially if Mike McGlinchey can be healthy, really good running game. You look at like their guards, it's like, well, it's not elite like those spots, but it's certainly serviceable, like it's replacement level. But the issue is you look at their shortcomings in the NFC championship game this last season and in the Super Bowl two years ago, like guard was a real issue because they went against some elite defensive tackles. And if, you know, if they control Chris Jones and Aaron Donald a little better, and obviously that's very hard to do, maybe they do win those games, but ultimately 
Like, is that worth investing a second round pick or would it, would they be better off investing a, in, into a center that they think, all right, this guy could be our starting center for six to eight years. And mm-hmm. I kind of think that's, that's where they'll lean just based on my experience covering the team. Well, you have a, a brand new, uh, you know, red shirt rookie quarterback stepping into the mix. It seems like a, a decent offensive line. Uh, you know, a good offensive line other than serviceable would be a smart investment. Now, I don't know if if there's a legitimate thought in the building, like, well, we have Trey Lance now, uh, you know, him getting out of the pocket, moving around only makes plays maybe more dangerous. But at the same time, you've got Kyle Shanahan who wants things to happen exactly how he wants them to happen. So, you know, having an offensive line that can't really do what it's supposed to do maybe isn't the best investment, you know, because you have Trey Lance, he can move around and and he'll evade a lot of pressure that Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't. But at the same time, Kyle Shanahan probably just doesn't appreciate the off schedule element of things yet. I think he's getting there. Yeah, I do think he's getting there. He's a, I think that that was part of the Trey Lance pick was like, all right, I'm, I'm tired of, I'm tired of losing to quarterbacks who can make plays off schedule. Like it had to be the Josh Allen game, right? I, yeah, that was probably the tipping point, but like he's, he, he was, Sick that and was tired of Russell Wilson thing. long before that. I mean, just imagine standing on the football field on the Patrick grass Mahomes and watching. Well, yeah, yeah, that too. That's yeah, that whole drop back 18 yards and then throw it 75. Like, but like I just I was just talking, I can't remember who I was talking to this about, but I was like, imagine standing on the grass and watching Josh Allen run around and just kick the absolute dog crap. I wasn't sure if we could you can say the SH on Crandall. Okay. I wasn't sure if things things were different in Candlestick Chronicles. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um just work you up and down the field nonstop in every which direction. Like if you were yeah. not convinced that a mobile quarterback with a strong arm, like was a thing that would be like baptism by fire. Like there's no way you could watch that and not realize what that does. But, not that Trey Lance is Josh Allen, but that was ridiculous. But if you, so if you have like the 49ers assuming, you know, they don't trade Debo Samuel and we don't think that's going to happen, but like they have good skill position players, right? They have a good left tackle long-term somebody to develop with Trey Lance, like a center would make a lot of sense. Sure. Right. Right. Like you have Trey Lance. All right. Now you have a center that he can learn and grow with. And those two guys will be on the same timeline. Um, Especially so that, if Alex effort... Mack does come back, you know, like he'll, he'll be doing dual duty in, in bringing up Trey Lance and a new center to just exactly. Yeah. If well, Alex and, Mack and, and comes it... back, then somebody like Jurgens, I mean, it would be an ideal situation for him. Well, and their roster is good enough that if they pick Cam Jurgens and then lose and he sits all year because Alex Mack is playing and they lose in the NFC championship game, nobody's going, dude, if they had just you, taken Jaquan Brisker in the second round, like that's not that's just not a thing that's going to happen. I mean, like, it they're, happen. they're <laughs> good point. If they're strong, it will happen 100 percent, but, you know, it will happen. Yeah. I mean, you so, could do that in every draft. You could say, well, if they were, you know, if they right. drafted this yeah, guy. If they had drafted a good player instead of a player that didn't play, they'd be better. Like, yeah, yeah. no, we know. Hindsight's 2020. Um, or 2022 in this case. Am I right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw this at both of you, Rob. I'm going to throw it at you first, though. So we're, we're all in agreement that offensive line is, like, if you're making a list of draft needs, offensive lines at the top. It's, yeah. It's interior fine. offensive line specifically. I bounce, yeah, I bounce around that with that at like my top two. Okay. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I would say. I have a follow up I mean, question. I'm looking for like a yet, yeah, like a. So, so like yeah. if there was a safety that they love in round two, I would get it. 
right? Like I, I would totally get it, but I don't You're stepping view... on my question. Okay. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I think interior, I think center specifically. Okay. It be is their biggest team need because ideally you would love to have a center come in red shirt for Alex Mack. And then when Mack retires, you can just plug him in rather than paying somebody like they did with right. Weston Richburg. Sure. Or guessing in, in next year's draft again. Yeah. Uh, so Rob, what would you say after offensive line is number two? Uh, I probably, because this is where I fluctuate between like six different spots. I probably would have gone a combination of edge rusher. It's really close between edge rusher and anywhere in the secondary for me. Obviously safety is the easy one because they literally have a starting spot that's open. And if you can get a really good safety in the second round, like, like that's like not even a question, but I could still see them going corner too, because I believe Emmanuel Mosley is slated to, uh, to make his exit after this year, unless they resign him. Um, you know, they got Charvarius Ward, who's obviously going to be their number one guy. And then, you know, Ambry Thomas, maybe he keeps getting better. Maybe he doesn't, you know, it seems like they could add some talent to that spot. So to me, it's, I, I consistently bounce around between offensive line edge rusher and, and somewhere in the secondary. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I, I have Chris. a hot, a hot, smoking hot take that I just thought about and came up with. Oh, dude, let it rip! <laughs> I know I said they had good receivers, you dude. Can make, you is... can make you can make a case, given the Debo Samuel situation, that receiver is kind of a sneaky need, and potentially a, a big need, because, I mean, first of all, they're not going to pay both Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening, right? Because eventually you're going to have to pay Trey Lance. Um, you're going to have Nick Bosa making a ton of money. You already have Trent Williams, George Kittle, Fred Warner making a ton of money. Traverius Ward's making a good amount of money. It's going to be hard for them to pay multiple receivers. So the only way you keep your receiving core intact and good is have multiple guys on rookie deals who are good. So even if Debo Samuel comes back, I wouldn't hate using a second or third round pick on a receiver at all. And that's not an indictment on Brandon Ayuk necessarily. It's just that the financial realities are you're not going to be, you're probably not going to be able to pay both those guys because if Brandon Ayuk comes out and plays well, and he's due a new contract after next season with the way receiver salaries are spiking, like, do you want to pay, you know, say Debo Samuel does get 25 million a year. You want to have 40 million wrapped up in two receivers, you know, Dude. like at some point, like they might be, we, this time next off season, we might be like, well, they just traded Brandon Ayuk for a second round pick. Yeah. And if they don't, Christian Kirk receiver, just got 18. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, if if they don't draft a receiver this year and they do end up having they do end up paying Debo and then deciding not to pay Brandon Ayuk, at some point you're going to need another receiver. So if there's a good one you like early, like I think receiver could certainly be justifiable early in this draft for the 49ers. Well, and I think it's more immediate than that too, because it's Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and then like God love Jawan Jennings. But if you're having if if Samuel or Ayuk are unavailable and you're rolling out with one of those two and Jawan Jennings is your top two receivers, do you feel great about it? No, like, and then who's your number three in that situation? Is it Ray Ray McLeod? Like, yeah, like the point is you could plug in a third receiver this year and feel really good about it. Yeah. And and I think Juwan Jennings is a good number three receiver. I think he's sort of a perfect complement to Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. But I think if you're a team that considers itself a contender, like the 49ers do, you have to think about all your positions. Like, all right, what if we go into a playoff game and Brandon Ayuk's out for the year? Right. Like, are do yeah. you, do you feel great about what your offense is going to look like if, like you said, Jawan Jennings and Debo Samuel are only two guys? So I think that to your point, there is a short term and long term need at receiver potentially because I just find it I, like I'm very I'm pro Brandon Ayuk. I think Brandon Ayuk's super talented and I think he could be really good. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he took a big step this next season and became like a 1200 yard guy. But if he does that, like there's no way you're paying. I don't think there's any way you're paying 40, 45 million a year for your two starting receivers in a league where receivers the deepest position around. And it seems like there are 10 good receivers that come out in every draft. Well, it's the 49ers are in that spot now where it's like bad teams are constantly trying to use the draft to fill roster holes. Whereas now the 49ers are in the spot where we're at a good team, everybody that's good on this team, we're going to have to pay or somebody's going to pay. So you're just constantly dancing around the fact that, you, you know, you have your priority guys that you're going to pay. And then everybody else after that, you have to plan to replace because you can't just, you can't plan on, let's say Brandon, Ayuk does take the step forward. You can't plan on getting him on some like team friendly deal when some other team's probably going to, at that time, by the time his contract's over, you're easily going to give him $20 million if he's good, you know, if he's consistently right. good. So it's just this entirely different dance that I guess the good teams have to do. And you saw like the, the Chiefs just did it. They just traded Tyreek Hill, who was such a massive reason that they were good, period. But they just cannot pay everybody like you just can't. So, yeah. And, and the Packers trade Devontae Adams. And, and one thing Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch talk about all the time is like they make their draft decisions largely in three year windows, right? Like they're thinking about the short term and also the long term. So, yeah, like, you know, I, I think the 49ers are good enough to where you could you could just say like, yeah, draft draft the best available player to, at any position because eventually, you know, needs are an instantaneous snapshot of time and they change. They're very fluid as time goes, but I think you could certainly say like, yeah, they could use another receiver. Like, you know what else, do you know what else they could use another one of? And since we're firing up the flamethrowers and letting the takes fly, I'm going to do this one. Number two on my list is tight end. Sorry. Because spoil it. I know. No, it's fine. You've been stepping on my bits all day. It's okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, No, it's just, it's George Kittle, right? Who, who health is a question mark. I mean, he's playing. I don't mean that like he's going to miss a ton of games, but he plays through injuries like every year. Right. That's he's just perpetually that, injured. Like he's going to be injured. Like his shoulder is going to be a problem just until he gets surgery. And he says he's, 
he's not getting his shoulder fixed till he retires. Right. And the style that he plays, like the physical running style, like he's just, he's going to take a lot of hits and he blocks very physically. Like there's just a lot of pounding that goes onto his body. And after George Kittle, it's like, I sense that there's about to be a lot of Jordan Matthews disrespect right now. No, 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 no. Uh, there's about to be some Ross Dwelly disrespect. <laughs> I was going to go with that, but I was like, that's too easy. Everybody knows he's the next guy. No, but like Ross Dwelly is a valuable player as like your third tight end. And then they have a Ross Dwelly variant in Charlie Werner, or maybe it's Charlie Ross Dwelly as Charlie Werner variant. I don't know. <laughs> and then it's like Tanner Hudson, who's like Walmart brand of those guys. And then there's Jordan Matthews, who... <laughs> Hang on. I don't know if you can make the switch from receiver to tight end and be effective enough in your second season as a tight end to be what the 49ers would need out of their second tight end. I think it's his third season as a tight end. Um, can I make a point on this? Because I think you're right. Do you remember how good the Ravens offense was with Lamar Jackson at quarterback when they had Hayden? He's, Hurst? he's still there. He's still their quarterback. Chris. <laughs> no, but when they had Hayden Hurst before they traded him to Atlanta and Mark Andrews. Right. Yes. Like yeah. so much of their running game that included the, the I mean, the, the quarterback centric running game was really effective because they were able to have big personnel, which the 49ers obviously love to complement that. And they invested heavily in the tight end position. And that's when you look at what the 49ers offense could potentially look like with Trey Lance. I think it makes a ton of sense to add another high level tight end for the same reasons, like because of just how scheme versatile you could be with a running quarterback. And we know the 49ers want to run the ball. I don't know how much they want to have Trey Lance necessarily running the ball, like on design runs and, and maybe they don't, but if they did, getting another pass catching threat to complement George Kittle and the other receivers that they have could make the offense really, really dynamic. And I know they already have sort of a version of that with Kyle Juszczyk, but I could see them wanting to, you know, like I, I look at the 49ers going into the season with Trey Lance likely as a starter. Like I think they're going to use two receiver sets at one of the highest rates in the league. And just because of the, how, how it sets up with, with Lance at quarterback, with what they like to do schematically. Like this isn't going to be an offense that has, you know, five, five options, every play. I think it's going to be a lot of, a a lot of Trey Lance centric running game. Like, and, and I think that could potentially lead to them investing significantly in a tight end because that would make them more versatile that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Charlie Warner is a good blocker, but I think that's that's sort of where it ends with him. Like he's not. <laughs> it's maybe, their whole roster. Yeah, maybe he becomes a better pass catcher. But I could see them being like, all right, we need another multifaceted tight end, not only to complement George Kittle, but to potentially replace him because we know how valuable he is when he's not on the field. Um, so I think tight end. I think it's a good take by Kyle in, in mentioning tight end because we've been talking about it for a while. Like they don't have another option and they haven't had another option. And maybe with Trey Lance at quarterback, getting a second tight end does make them more dynamic in a way that complements Trey Lance. Now we've seen them real quick. We've seen them chase Austin Hooper. They signed Jordan Reed. I think the Jordan Matthews thing is a legitimate 
try to see if like, Hey, can he pick up enough as a blocker that we can effectively use him as a second tight end? Like, I think that's how the coaching staff views him and the project that he is. I would also like to defend my honor after the 2020 season is when he switched positions. 2021 was his first year as a tight end. Rob, go ahead. What I was going to ask you. Yes. Okay, you're right. I would, I, I, no, he was on the team as a receiver. You're right. I, was, yeah. I thought the, the tight end switch was the last year thing, right? Is that what you yes. just said? Okay. Yes. All right. Now my mistake. I just wanted to make sure we both knew that Chris was wrong Tyler, in, that, in that moment. <laughs> um, do you think the 49ers would have at this point would have more interest in like a pure pass catch? I guess pure is kind of a bad way to put that, especially in the 49ers offense, a pass catching tight end, a like, move tight end. Yeah. Like obviously they have George Kittle. You mentioned that maybe they'd want somebody that could replace George Kittle. If he's hurt, obviously if you're going to replace George Kittle, you have to be an exceptional blocker. But if you look at all the top tight ends, you know, you've got Travis Kelsey, mostly a pass catching tight end, Darren Waller, for sure. Uh, Mark Andrews, almost for sure. Uh, Kyle Pitts, um, Tyler Higby's kind of a little bit of both, but there are all these pass catching tight ends that are just kind of like playmakers. And it's almost like the skill at some point, who cares if they can block because they're going to catch a touchdown. And I don't know the 49ers offense well enough to like say what a, uh, a pure move tight end would be like there. But it seems like if you're thinking about maybe drafting a receiver, then you might be able to get the same type of impact from a tight end a little bit later in the draft, you know, the, a good tight end can fall a little further, but so I just don't know if the 49ers would even have interest in a tight end that maybe needed some work as a blocker, but was just more of a playmaking threat. And they've always said, I don't really know the the background behind this, but rookie rookie quarterbacks or second year quarterbacks starting for the first time uh, like to throw to tight ends. You know, they're not as far off to the edges. They're in the, over the middle of the field, not moving. Their quarterback's best friend. Right. right. (laughs) Um, I think, I think just to that point real quick, I think ideally it would be a player who could block at least a, a little bit, like be, be an effective enough inline blocker that like we know Kyle Shanahan likes positional versatility and being able to like <clears throat> have the same fo- have the same personnel group on the field, but run like four different formations right. out of that personnel group. And I think if you have a second tight end that can line up in line, but then also split out wide where you can have. 22 personnel on the field and all of a sudden it can turn into like what is that like a four receiver set uh i think that's like ideally what he would look for and not somebody that the defense can go oh that guy's on the field he's gonna split out into the slot or out wide or whatever right yeah i i I sort of think like given the way juan jennings blocks like is he too far removed from being a move tight end well i just saw i just saw who was it (laughs) mayoko um Kawakami and Barrows all tweeting about the fact that TK would constantly say wherever Juwan Jennings was on the field that the play was going towards his direction and apparently he was right like all the time so right and and, like that's one of the things they liked about Jalen Hurd too was his ability to block but like I think the move tight like if you're in my opinion and and we don't know the answer to this because we don't know what the next evolution in Kyle Shanahan's offense is exactly going to look like with Trey Lance. But I would guess like if they're going to use a second or third round pick on a tight end, it would be a guy who could do both. It's not going to be like an Evan Ingram type because I think they would just rather have a receiver, right? Someone who could be a little bit more dynamic, but like, that's like, and to me, like Jawan Jennings, like I said, I don't think he's too far removed from a, you know, from a quote unquote move tight end. He's technically a receiver, but if lining up in the slot and being an effective run blocker, like to me, 
that's kind of what a move tight end is in Kyle Shanahan's offense. So I think you might already have that dynamic with Jennings. He's a pretty but big I, dude. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't hate it, but if, in my opinion, if they take a tight end early on in their second or third round, I think it's going to be somebody who's more of a classic tight end who can block and can, you know, catch passes. Do some stuff. Do, yeah, a guys who can do some stuff for sure. <laughs> Kyle, Rob, are you be- pensive or are you waiting? No, you look I, like you were deep in thought. I am. I am. Well, I was looking at this 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 spider graph here. Shout out to Chris Peterman. Um, <laughs> and it, it it was the the it was your draft take. Are you saving that? Are you saving your 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 second round draft crush take thing? Me or Chris? Yeah, you. No, I already gave mine. Yeah, Chris gave his. Do you want to save yours for another time? Um. Yeah, it doesn't really fit the tight end conversation. So if you were sticking on, I was tight I was ends, trying to move us move us along. I felt the okay, tight great. end had ran its course. Okay, great. I love that. <laughs> dynamite dynamite job by you. Thanks, man. Um, My take is that the 49ers, if he falls to number 61, should draft Nick Cross out of Maryland. He is a safety. He is big and super fast. And I think that he could play. Uh, I think he could play in the box for sure. But I also think that if Jimmy Ward leaves after this year, this year, next year, this year, the final year of his deal. I feel like Jimmy Ward's never going to leave. <laughs> he just <laughs> the Dante Johnson of the Dante Johnson of safeties. He's the Deion Sanders of Dante Johnson's. Um, in my head, he's on the last year of his deal. And then I said that out loud, and I was like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> so we're confirming. He's got void years after the season. It looks like per over the cap. So um, he's in the last year of his deal. Effectively, yeah. So I think if he walks after this year, I think that Nick Cross could then go play free safety. Like he's that type of athlete. And I think that he has enough size and enough, um, enough instincts to go down and play in the box. It would also allow them to do uh, some different stuff with their safeties. It wouldn't just be like a strict, like, okay, he's like Talanoa Hufanga. I don't think could go play up high and be super effective on a snap by snap basis. So I think Cross can. And just when I look at the safeties, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State's another guy, but I, I, I really, really like Nick Cross and think that he could do uh, a lot of stuff on their defense. I mean, and that's my take. They're always, I feel like defenses are always like dancing between having an extra DB on the field and an extra linebacker on the field. And uh, I, obviously right now they don't have a starting strong safety unless you're counting one of the three guys that are on the roster that all seem like they've, they, they're not quite there. Um, so, I mean, I, I could definitely see him going that route. When I say earlier that I, I could see them going somewhere in the secondary, I think safety is probably the most likely choice. I mean, it's a huge opening right now. Could they just bring Jaquaski Tart back on a pretty reasonable one-year deal at this point? Probably, you know, and then you'd have the rapport between him and Jimmy Ward. But when I said Jimmy Ward wasn't ever leaving, I literally think everybody likes him so much that they will just offer him another contract at probably equal value. You know, I don't know if, if he's technically deserved more, but I, I just, I would, I just can't see him letting him go, but. Yeah. So you have, and I, I think it's a good point, particularly when you're talking about free safety, I, I think strong safety with Hufanga and Tarverius more this year, I think you're probably okay. And we'll see, you know, we'll see if Hufanga can be a starter who plays at like a high enough level for them to have a defense that gets them to where they want to go. Um, but I don't hate the idea of adding a safety at all because Tarverius Moore is a free agent after the season. Jimmy Ward's unsigned after the season. Um, 
So that certainly does make sense. But I do think Kyle Shanahan, like Kyle Shanahan said it, like Jimmy Ward is one of his favorite players. Um, And, you know, for an offensive coach to say that about a safety. And I think, I think Jimmy Ward's really good. Like we have, you know, we have, we, we have all the property on Jimmy Ward Island. And and, yeah, I was was going to say, aren't I a a guest on Jimmy Ward Island right now? Real estate, real estate has been, has been a very nice investment for us in Jimmy Ward Island. Booming. Yeah, we got golf courses. We got beachfront property. We're good. Rob will cut um, you a deal. We got you, dog. I'm in. <laughs> um, but, you know, at some point you do have to think about the future of the position and how well is he going to age, right? He's 31. He's had a ton of injuries, um, although not. I mean, he had foot injuries early in his career, but most of his more recent injuries and he's been relatively healthy, but they haven't been leg injuries so you would think mobility might not necessarily be a huge concern with ward at least as he enters his early 30s obviously there aren't a lot of free safeties who play into their mid 30s but yeah if you're looking at the future of that position in the way that i outlined what they're what they could be doing at center i think the same point applies in that you know i don't know that you could count on tarvarius Moore coming back from an achilles injury not only to play at the level you would want him to play, but be worth extending him to a, to a new contract because he's in the last year of his rookie deal. Um, so yeah, you could look at the position beyond Jimmy Ward and I would be curious to see how they view it. Like, do they want a safety who could also play in the slot? Because there's, there's some question about what they're going to do in the slot right now. And maybe it is just going to be Emmanuel Mosley um, and Diamador Lenore, or maybe they decide, maybe they like in the second round, they're like, Hey, we love this slot corner, right. Who only plays in the slot. And maybe that's somebody that they think can come in and start right away as a round two or round three pick. And that's the direction they go. But I'm always intrigued by DBs who can do everything, who can play safety, who can play in the slot. Like I've thought Tyron Matthew would be a sneaky, I don't even know sneaky, but like an, a really <laughs> awesome signing for the 49ers because he could play both safety spots and in the slot um, and just, you know, bring that veteran presence, et cetera, et cetera. But um, no, I'm with you. Like if, if there's a good safety that they like, I think it makes sense. I'm just, I think I'm more inclined to get a versatile free safety than I would be like a strong safety. Like, Oh, this guy's great in the box, but we don't know if he's great in coverage, like that type of guy. So does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it seems like that's obviously the, the, what the NFL just straight up requires now. Like, you even see it yeah. leak, leaching down to linebackers. Like, it, it, linebackers that can cover are coveted now. And I would think that would apply even more so to a safety who was already, you know, expected to cover a lot before we've seen this kind of, like, new wave of, like, coverage linebackers. So, uh, to me, if you were the, – the days of investing in a safety that's just strictly there to stop the run is kind of, like, over. That yeah. I would think an offense would just look at that as, like, a mismatch. I agree. Maybe they could kick the Seahawks like a fifth round pick for Jamal Adams. If that's what they wanted to do. <laughs> Why do they need what another linebacker? Over. Oh, wow. They wanted right? a defensive end, bro. Got him. <laughs> Hella sacks. <laughs> All right. We're going to get out of here. This has been a very fun crossover episode of Candlestick Chronicles and Striking Gold. If you are subscribed to both, Gold Star for you. Um, if you yeah, you're are, winning at life. Yeah, if you're subscribed to one and not the other, change that and uh, subscribe to both. Rate and review, five stars. We always appreciate it, guys. Thanks. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.